Hey, and welcome to the Joy Church Podcast. If you'd like more information, check us out at www.joychurchnh.com or visit us in person at 55 Barnstead Road, Pittsfield, New Hampshire. We hope you enjoy and are blessed by this message. And now on to this week's sermon. I'm excited to be sharing with you this week as we're going to start this new message series and we're going to be in 2 Corinthians 5. Again, our title is One Minute After You Die. What happens? What happens one minute after you die? And I'm curious, though, how many of you would say, I don't really like thinking about it or talking a lot about death. How many? Yeah, I know Mike and I, we we were watching a show actually last night where one of the spouses died and we just like looked at each other like, how do you do that? And I know some of you have walked through that. You've walked through that. But most of us, we just don't even like to think about it or talk about it. But the truth really is, you don't die. You don't really die. Did you realize that? Our physical bodies... They're going to cease to exist, but we never cease to exist. We're going to live eternally somewhere. And this is what scripture says. I'm going to go there. 2 Corinthians 5. It's towards the end of the Bible, if you're new to the word of God. And it says this, right in verse 1. For we know that when this earthly tent we live in is taken down our earthly tent that's a metaphor for our bodies that is when we die and leave this earthly body we will have a house in heaven an eternal body made for us by God himself and not by human hands we grow weary in our present bodies anybody amen to that one we grow weary in our present bodies and we long to put on our heavenly bodies like new clothing For we will put on heavenly bodies. We will not be spirits without bodies. While we live in these earthly bodies, we groan and sigh. But it's not that we want to die and get rid of these bodies that clothe us. Rather, we want to put on our new bodies so that these dying bodies will be swallowed up by life. And verse 6, it says, so we are always confident. Look at the person next to you and say, I'm confident. You don't sound very confident. So we are always confident, even though we know that as long as we live in these bodies, we are not at home with the Lord. Yes, we are fully confident. Say it again out loud. I am confident. And we would rather be away from these earthly bodies, for then we will be at home with the Lord. In another translation, it says, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So what's our goal? Why do we exist? What's our assignment while we're in these earthly bodies, in this tent, or even when we're away from this earthly body? In verse 9, it tells us, So whether we are here in this body or away from this body, our goal is to what? Accumulate a lot of money. You're like, Kathy, can you read? 
to become YouTube famous. To get a record number of likes on our posts. The one where we have the perfect filter and the dream caption. Maybe for some of us, we want the perfectly decorated house. Well, I didn't mess it up. So our goal, whether we're here in this body or away from this body, our goal is to, and some of you said it before, please him. To please Jesus. Our goal is to live for him. Our goal is to do what lasts eternally. And in verse 10, Paul says, for we must all stand before Christ to be judged. And we're going to come back to that thought. We will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil we have done in this earthly body. And ultimately, we need to remember whether we're here in this body or away from this body, our goal is to please Jesus. Let's all pray together. Father, we ask, Lord, we ask that over the next few weeks that the power of your word would transform our hearts, that our goal in all that we do would be to live for you, to please you, and to honor you. Amen. Just take a minute and turn to the person next to you and say, your life matters. If you're sitting all alone, I'm going to tell you, from me to you, your life matters. Your life matters. We're going to cover some big topics. And what I want to do, what my goal is to let, is to let Scripture do a lot of the work. We're going to look at a lot of the Bible. Can you guys handle that if we do that? We're going to look at a lot of scripture. We've had some people ask when they hear about this message, why, why are we talking about death? It's not a fun subject. Why are we talking about eternity? And I want to try to answer this question as we start this series because it's really really important. Why are we talking about what happens one minute after you die, after you die? And the reason is this, because when whatever it is that we believe about eternity, what we believe about eternity determines how we will live today. What we believe about eternity determines how you will live today. If you believe that you're an accident, that there's no God, that there is no eternity, then you're going to live a selfish life, a life driven for the pleasures of this time, and everything is going to be about the here and the now. If in turn, you believe you are created by a God for his glory, that you will live somewhere eternally, it's going to shape the way that you live today. What we believe about eternity will determine each and every one of us how we live today. And you will live somewhere. Your physical body will cease to exist at some point, but your soul, it will continue to live. 
And next week, we're going there. We're going to talk about the horrors of hell. Is hell a real place? Yes, it is. We're going to talk about what happens in hell. Who goes to hell? Why did God create a hell? Do you just sit around and play cards with your friends there? Is it real suffering that happens in hell? And then the following week, we're going to talk about heaven. Who goes there? What do you do there? Is it a very long, boring worship service? Will you just sing for thousands of years? Do you get a new body? Do you recognize people? What do we do in heaven? We're going to talk about that. Actually, Mike's going to come and talk about that. Today, though, I'm going to lay a foundation for this series, and I want to talk about three things, three things that happen immediately after this life is done. We've already talked about the first thing, our physical bodies, they die. Scripture says this, our physical bodies die. Hebrews 9.27, just as people are destined to die once. And let's just pause there for a minute. I just want to make sure that we're all on the same page, that we all understand, because according to recent studies, and these studies are very conclusive, one out of one people die. No, I didn't say that. You've come from dust. Don't go out there and tweet something like Joy Church says, I'm nothing but dust. That's not what I said. You've come from dust. <laughs> Take it down if it's already out there. I heard that. We're going to come back to that thought. So Jesus was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many. And he will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation. Souls separate from our physical bodies. Our souls separate from our physical bodies. Our physical bodies, they stay behind. And our soul continues to live. Jesus said this in Matthew 10, 28. Do not be afraid of those who want to kill your body. They cannot touch your soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Don't fear people, but live in reverend fear of God. When your body ceases to exist... Your soul, our souls continue to live. So one day at your funeral, after you go in the ground and everyone else goes to Aunt Jane's house, they're eating potluck dinner, you'll never be more alive than you are right then. Your soul, it still lives even though your body ceases to exist. And Jesus, he illustrated this in the Gospel of John when he was talking to Martha, who was really incredibly upset because Lazarus, her brother, had died. And if you know the story, remember Lazarus had been dead for four days. And I love the, the King James Version. We think, you know, it's all so proper and holy and righteous. But it said, his body stinketh. His body stinketh. And this is what Jesus said to Martha. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me 
will never die. So what happens to the soul of a follower of Jesus after the body dies? Well, the Bible isn't clear on all of the details of what happens immediately. But what we do know is to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. We do know that there were two criminals on the cross next to Jesus who were both guilty. They both needed forgiveness. One recognized his need and he called on the grace of Jesus. And that one criminal cried out, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And by the grace of Jesus, not by any works this guilty man could have done, Jesus answered him and said, truly I tell you today, today when your body ceases to exist, you will be with me in paradise. Well, where exactly is that? What exactly is that? And again, we're not completely clear, but what we do know is it's way better than this earthly life. Paul, he wrestles with what do I want? What do I want? Do I continue to live here and make a difference or do I go where it's better for me? This is what he said in Philippians 1.20. He said, I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ whether I live or die. He said, for to me, living, living means living for Christ and dying, Paul said, is even better. But if I live, he says, I can do more fruitful work for Christ. So I really don't know which is better. I'm torn between the two. I long to go to be with Christ, which is better for me. But for your sakes, it's better that I continue to live. To be in this body is to be fruitful, to share the love of Jesus. But it's better to be away from this body and to be in the presence of Jesus. I don't know which one I want to do. I really want to be with Jesus. But for all of your sakes, it's better for you and for me. Maybe I'll stay here a little while longer. What happens one minute after we die? We know that our physical bodies die and our soul continues to live. That it separates from our body. And then at some point, number three, we will all face judgment. And Peter said it this way, 1 Peter 1, 17, Remember that the heavenly Father to whom you pray has no favorites. He will judge or reward you according to what you do. So you must live in reverent fear of him during your time as temporary residents. We have to remember, guys, this is not our home we're just passing through. It's just a short period of time in eternal, in the eternal scheme of things. And at the end of this life, we will be judged or we will be rewarded. And I want to show you in scripture two different judgments and talk about each one. The first is called the great white throne judgment. The great white throne judgment. Most scholars, they believe that the great white throne judgment is only for non-believers. And I agree with that. It's my opinion that that assessment is true. And this is what scripture says in Revelation 20, 11. 
John, who was exiled to the Isle of Patmos, had a vision given to him by the Holy Spirit of the things that were to come. And he said, this is what I saw. He said, I saw a great white throne and the one sitting on it, the earth and sky fled from his presence, but they found no place to hide. I saw the dead, both great and small, standing before God's throne and the books the books were opened, including the book of life. And in verse 15, it says, And anyone's name who was not found recorded in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. What is the lake of fire? Well, we're going to talk about that next week. But what is this book of life? And here's the incredible news. What we know is that Jesus is the son of God. He was born without sin. He's called the lamb of God who was slain for the forgiveness of our sins. Jesus, he died in our place. And when you come to a place like that criminal I was talking about on the cross, when you recognize you have a need and you call out on the name and the grace of Jesus, you're saved not by works, but you're saved by the grace of Jesus through faith in him. When you call out on him, your name is written in the book of life. It's called the book of life. When your name is in his book, scripture says your name can never be blotted out. Your name can never be erased. It could not be taken away. There's no whiteout. There's no eraser. Your name is in his book. And when your name is in his book, you are his child at the great white throne judgment. If he looks for that book and your name is not there, scripture says that your next move, your next place of residence, it's not a place that you're gonna like or enjoy. And Jesus says this, and I think it's one of the most sobering verses in all of scripture. It makes me unsettled, uncomfortable. It's very challenging. Matthew 7, 21. Jesus said this, Matthew 7, 21, not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many will say, Lord, Lord, we've prophesied in your name and we've cast out demons in your name. We performed many miracles in your name. In our world today, it might be something like, well, I wasn't hyped up enough on Easter in your name. But I gave the little guy at Christmas time ringing the bell at Salvation Army, I gave him some money. I was nice to people. I was better than a lot of the religious hypocrites. I tried really hard. I did good works. I did these things. Verse 23, Jesus says, but I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, 
you who break God's laws. We weren't in a relationship. There's two judgments. The first is known as the great white throne judgment. Is your name written in the Lamb's book of life? The second is called the judgment seat of Christ. Paul was talking to the Corinthian believers. These were followers of Christ, and this is what he said to them. He said, for those of you who are followers of Christ, we must appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due for the things done while in this body, whether good or bad. Well, what is the seat of Christ? I found that it comes from, did you guys watch the Olympics? Were you sad when they were over? I know Mike was. I like watching some of it, but not all of it. So what was this Bema? After a race, prizes or the awards say, here's the crown, here's the reef for first place. Here's another one. The Bema seat was not a place to judge did you qualify? The Bema seat was the place to say, we celebrate the fact that you finished the race, that you were faithful, and here's a reward for what you have done. It's very important for all of us to understand that the judgment seat of Christ is not a judgment for our sins. It's a judgment for those of us who are followers of Christ our sins were judged and forgiven by Jesus. This is a place where if Jesus acknowledges us, if we're in the book of life, this is a place where what you did on earth is actually rewarded in heaven. And you might get confused. You might be thinking, I thought you said we weren't saved by works because we're never saved by works. You can't be. None of us can be religious enough. We can't try hard enough. We can't rid ourselves of enough bad things in our life. The problem is by nature, we're all sinners. Our sin separates us from a holy God, but we're saved by the grace of Jesus and only by the grace of Jesus, but we're rewarded for our works. And the reality is when you truly have been transformed, truly transformed by Jesus when you're no longer what you were and you suddenly you're this new creation, you recognize that you didn't bring anything significant to the table. You've only been changed by the love of Jesus. Suddenly, you don't have to work for your salvation. And you want to live for the glory of Jesus because of what he did. You're no longer the same. You're saved by grace. But now you're rewarded in heaven for how you live here. What you do now matters eternally. What will you be rewarded for? What will you be judged by? I'm going to share a few things. We're going to be judged and rewarded by how we treat people. 
how we cared for the least of these. How we cared for the outcast, the poor, the broken, the marginalized, the hurting. We're going to be judged by our motives. We're going to be judged by the words that we speak. Some of us, we need to put some tape over our mouths sometimes. We're going to be judged by how we endure suffering and rewarded if we endure it well. We're going to be rewarded or judged by what we do with what we have. Did we use our resources to be a blessing or did we hoard it all to ourselves? We're going to be rewarded when we bring people to Jesus. When we bring people to Christ, there's a crown, Scripture says, for those who are soul winners. For those of us, when we lead somebody else to Christ, and I think that means when we even start the train, we invite them to something where they're going to get to grow and know God. When we baptize them or we watch them get baptized, we're going to be rewarded by Jesus for what? We did. Imagine, imagine, imagine this. Your life is over because one day, boom, it's going to happen. Your physical body is going to cease to exist. Game over, guys. All the stuff we have is going to be left behind. And we're going to stand before Jesus and imagine you can't even stand and you fall to your knees. You kneel down and he takes a crown, places it on your head, and he says, well done, my good and faithful servant, well done. When you served kids every single week, you made an eternal difference in their lives. You didn't even know it. I know there's some of you here today because of what you did years and years ago and the prayers that you prayed for years and years when everyone else laughed and you were faithful. No one else saw when you did what was right. You could have done what was easy but you did what was right. I was shopping at Sam's Club this week and I used the self-scan so I can go through the store really fast and I had a big carload of stuff. I was bringing stuff to the church and a couple things for home and I got out to my car and I'm loading everything in the back of the car and oh, on the bottom of my cart, there was a 24-pack of, like, vitamin water. And I was like, did I scan that? 
And you know, when you come out of Sam's Club, they check and make sure everything's on there, whatever. And so I'm like, well, I must have because they would have caught it. And so, but I just, it just wouldn't let go of me. And so I'm loading everything into my car and I look at my receipt and it was not on there. And I just wanted to leave. I was so tempted, like, okay, it's their fault. They didn't check me at the door. What am I going to do kind of thing? And, I, and But God wouldn't let me let go of it. And so I went back into Sam's, not because I'm some hero, but because I wanted to have peace in my soul. And I go, I go in and, and they're looking at me like, why are you coming back in with something in your car? And, and I told it. And two people, you should have seen the look on their faces. Like what, like, what the heck? Why would you do something like that kind of thing? And I thought, oh, if only all of us would get that conviction and go and do, do what's right, not what is easy. I was tempted. I was tempted. I also know I was preaching this sermon this week and it would make a good story. <laughs> Honestly, I didn't think about that till afterwards, but Jesus will say, I noticed, I saw. To some of you, he will say, you didn't have very much at all, but you always gave. You always tithed to your church. You always used what you had to meet the needs of others. He sees your forgiveness, your ability to be quick to forgive. He sees that you forgive people that don't even ask for forgiveness. He sees when you honor and take care of your mother and father, even when it's a hard thing to do. He says, I noticed. Well done. You shared your faith. Some of you, Jesus, will say you visited me in prison. You comforted me. When I was sick, you gave me food when I was hungry. You gave me water when I was thirsty. And you'll be just disoriented thinking like, when did I do that? And he's going to look at you. Jesus will look at you and say, what you did for the least of these, you did unto me. What we believe about eternity, that's how we live today. Matt and the worship team would come, please. When it comes for living for eternity, I'll be honest, I don't always do a good job. And I feel like lately I haven't been doing a great job. I am a pastor and I do my job but there's a life that I live outside of that. And the life that I live outside of that, I'm not always on my game. I've been really looking at this 
and trying to examine the why. And here's something that I thought about. It's a mistake that I made where I thought that the longer you walk with Jesus, it's been a fairly, I mean, I didn't grow up this way, but maybe 20 years now. I've been walking with Jesus. And I thought the longer that I walk with Jesus, the easier it would get to be eternally minded. But here's the mistake. I didn't see that there's an opposing force and that the longer I live on earth, the more my roots tend to dig into this world. And I find myself today so often caring way too much about the things of this world. I care about what people think more than being obsessed with what God thinks. And really, as a pastor, it's hard to hang out with people that aren't following Jesus. We spend so much time with all of you, which is great, but I do go to the gym, you guys hear me talk about it. And when I go to the gym, I don't want to share my faith with people. I selfishly go to the gym and think, this is my time. This is for me. I just want to come in here and I don't want to think about anything and I just want to do my workout and try to get to be a healthy person. I want people to leave me alone there. The more comfortable my life becomes, the more I crave comfort. And the more I crave comfort, the less I'm living for the things that matter the most. I hope that doesn't disappoint you. It's kind of where I am at. And with everything in me, I fight against the gravity towards the things of this world. What used to take me 10, 15, 30 minutes in the morning to kind of reset myself spiritually, it takes a lot longer now. I have to spend more time in his word, more time in prayer. It's kind of like when you miss your turn you're following your GPS and turning 500 yards. It's like, turn now, turn now. And then it's like recalculating, recalculating. That's the way I am. I'm like moving towards the things that matter. And then I get distracted and then I get distracted and I get distracted. So I have to let the Holy Spirit recalculate to recenter. I have to continue to break the roots and the love for this world so that I can continue to live for what really matters. How do we do that? I think we give until we're more uncomfortable because trusting the things of this world feels so good to have them. So by giving sacrificially, I think we need to pray longer than what we think is normal or what we would consider normal. It recenters us. It recenters me. 
I've been starting to pick people out, people that I don't even know. Pray for them. To ask for that eternal perspective. To spend more time in God's word. The pull of this world, guys, is so strong. It's so strong and it's so temporary. So temporary. One day, one day your heart will beat for the very last time. And at that point, guess what? There's no do-overs, none. you find yourself like me more concerned with this world whether it's football or soccer or shoes your degree at school a new house your popularity on social media a car the next vacation whatever it is cut off the roots to the things of this world the things that don't last and don't matter. Let the Spirit of God recalculate and bring you back to the spiritual center. You have one goal. I have one goal because we're just passing through here. So whatever we do, wherever we are, our goal is to please Him, to please Jesus. Pray with me. Ask, Lord, by the power of your word, the ministry of your Holy Spirit, the eternal mindset, help us to recognize, Lord, the power of the truth that what we believe about eternity will impact, will really impact we keep praying with our heads bowed not looking around I wonder how many of you would say I'm not happy about it but Kathy I can be a little bit like you I'm a follower of Jesus but I think that my roots have been getting deeper into this world and I want to break those roots I want to be more eternally focused in the way that I live would you lift up your hands right now if that's you, be bold. Lift up your hands. And Father, I pray for all of us that have our hands lifted. For all of us that you're speaking to today, I pray, God, that we would take this wake-up call seriously. Lord God, that we wouldn't just hear a message like this and go on out and live the way we've lived. That we wouldn't just be hearers of your word but God, we would be doers. Shake us, Lord. Disrupt us. Recalibrate us. Take us back to your truth. Lord, I pray for those of us that may even recognize that we've drifted a long way from the center and desperate times call for desperate measures. God, help us to change, to redirect, to refocus, to center around 
your truth. Not just to make slight adjustments, but God, overhaul us spiritually. Help us to put you first in all that we do, God, every day. Help us to center in your word, to focus on your truth, to live for your prize. May our goal every single day not be about this world, but be about impacting what matters to you, Lord, eternally. May our goal always be to please you in everything, everything, everything that we do. And as we continue praying, I just want to talk for a moment. If you've been around me for a while, I hope that you'll know that my goal is never, never to use fear as a motivator. What it is that draws us to God is His kindness, it's His grace, it's His goodness, it's the love of God that draws sinners to repentance. But it would be incomplete for me not to share with you the complete measure of God's word. There will be a time when Jesus will say to some people, and some of us here, some of you listening, I didn't know you, I didn't know you. And you might be thinking, well, oh, I can say I went to Joy Church. I watched online. I listened to podcasts. I did some good things. And he's going to say, I did not know you. How is it that we're made right with God? I want to be crystal clear. We're never, never made right with God by our works, our religious works, by our efforts, by what we do or what we don't do. The good news, it's so good. It's so good because Jesus did for us what we are not able to do for ourselves. It's God's love for us. He became one of us in the person of his son, Jesus, the one without sin. Therefore, he was qualified to be the eternal sacrifice for the forgiveness of our sins. He shed innocent blood on the cross. He died in our place. He rose from the dead. Why? Why? So that anyone anyone, and that includes you, anyone who calls out on his name would be saved and forgiven and transformed. It doesn't matter how dark your life is. It doesn't matter how much you've done wrong. When you call on the name of Jesus, he hears your prayers and he forgives your sins. right now there's some of you you're recognizing you have a need and when you call on him at this moment he forgives your sins you become brand new the old is gone the new has come those of you online or here today that would say yes 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 I need his grace that's me 
I need his mercy. I want to turn from my sins and towards him. If you want to give your life to Jesus, if that's your prayer, now's your opportunity. And let's all pray together because no one ever, ever needs to be praying alone. So pray after me. Let's pray loud today. Heavenly Father, I trust you and I give my life to you. Jesus, save me. Forgive all of my sins. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Fill me with your Spirit so I can live for you. So I can follow you. So I can fulfill the goal to please you in all that I do. Break the roots, Lord that hold me to this world. Center my spirit to live for you. My goal is to please you in all that I do. I give you my life. Thank you for saving me. We all pray this together in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen, amen. For any of you that gave your life to Jesus for the first time today, online or you're here in this room, your name is in his book. You don't have to worry about it. Remember I said there's no whiteout. It's not getting erased. Your name is there. And now you live this life here on earth and we want to help you so connect with us let us know that you chose to give your life to Jesus so that we can walk alongside you that we can help guide you and walk with you we have some people in our um, conference room right out this door to the left if you need prayer go ahead in there don't leave this place today if you need prayer if something's stirring in your heart and you want somebody to agree with you, you need healing, you just need somebody to talk to, go ahead and go in there. We love you, Joy Church. Don't miss any of these messages next week, the horrors of hell. We're going to talk about be back here. The best is yet to come. We hope you enjoyed this message and we're blessed by what you learned. If you'd like to hear more of our podcasts or to get more information about our church, head to our website at www.joychurchnh.com. We look forward to hearing from you and sharing with you next Sunday sermon. Until then, we love you and there's nothing you can do about it.